Hey everyone, you're listening to Nobody's Perfect, a place to figure out how people work differently, the strengths and weaknesses, of course, with the key being that we all learn from one another. For LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today we specifically examine how individuals' thoughts and behaviors need to be considered in the workplace and how everyone collaborates and functions together. Joining us from New Jersey is Daniel Silvert from Team Builders Plus and co-author of Taking Flight with Disc, which we'll discuss in detail a little later on. Dan, thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Glad to be here. If you could, just to give the listeners an idea of where you're coming from and your background, uh, give a little description of your company and your role and experience overall. I am the uh, Vice President of Learning Development for Team Builders Plus, and we do uh, team building and leadership development for organizations around the country. And in particular, we work uh, with groups on DISC training, which is behavioral style awareness. Uh, And we use the DISC to teach people about themselves and to teach them about how their coworkers say, why their coworkers say and do the things that they do. And that's exactly why we have you on, to look into that a little further and give some detail and examples, that sort of thing. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with the idea of DISC, what does it stand for? What's the the essence of it, the purpose? Uh, You know, just elaborate a little bit and, and give people those particulars. Sure. Well, DISC is a behavioral profile. It's been around for nearly 100 years. Uh, And what it does is illustrate the drivers of your communication style, Uh, meaning how do you communicate, why do you communicate that way, and why you see the world the way you do. So because there are four quadrants uh, to your brain, there are four DISC styles, and the DISC itself is an acronym. So D stands for dominant, I stands for interactive, uh, S stands for supportive, and C stands for conscientious. Most of us are a combination of two of these styles. Some of us are even three. Uh, If you want, I can go into a little bit more detail about what each uh, represents. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay. So a D or dominant style is very results-oriented. They communicate in a very direct manner. They're very decisive in their decision-making. They're big risk-takers. And basically, they just say and do what they feel like saying and doing. And they don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about what other people think. Mm. I's are very uh, motivational. They're very enthusiastic, very optimistic. I stands for interactive, meaning that they love to be around other people. And basically, they're just very passionate and fun-loving. Uh, S stands for supportive, and supportive styles seek harmony in all relationships. So S's are calm and patient and sincere and loyal. And last but not least, conscientious styles uh, are very accuracy-oriented. So they are detailed, um, they are diplomatic in how they communicate, they are very logical uh, and systematic in how they approach their lives and how they work with other people. So what was it that, that with your group that you decided, you know, this was definitely an area to explore in, in great detail and, you know, even to the point where you, you know, created a book based upon it. What what are the factors or what really stood out that you guys said, this is definitely the way to go and these are the details we need to, to figure out and, and really articulate? Uh, what we decided to do was take the disc and make it accessible. And so we took each of these styles, D-I-S and C, and we turned them into birds. So the dominant style is the eagle. The interactive style is the parrot, supportive style is the dove, and the conscientious style is the owl. So the book Taking Flight uh, opens with a fable. You've got a group of birds in the forest, and they're in a bit of a crisis. 
And, you know, it's difficult to communicate with people of different styles when you're under stress, so they struggle with that. And then they reach out to a chameleon, and the chameleon uh, teaches them how to honor one another and, and help them through their ordeal. That's the first half of the book. The second half is, okay, how do I use the disc in the real world? How do I use it at work? How do I use it at home? And that's pretty much why we wrote the book, to make it accessible. Now, if you look at this from the, that angle, from the workplace, obviously, and if someone in a, a management position, leadership position, however you want to phrase it, in what ways can knowing and understanding their own behavior, so looking at it personally, how can that be effective and, and impact the, uh, the workplace? Well, uh, it's a great question. If I know, if I have high self-awareness and I realize that I'm an eagle, that I'm very direct and mm-hmm. bottom line oriented, and I'm working with a dove, an S, if I'm not careful, I'm going to judge their behavioral style as being weak. But if I understand that they're an S and that this is how they are wired as opposed to the way I'm wired, instead of over-applying the golden rule and treating the dove like I want to be treated, I'll treat the dove the way they want to be treated. Sure. And that's, a, that's an important concept for most of us to, to grapple with because I think we over-apply the golden rule. We really want to save the golden rule for values, you know, honesty, integrity, respect, and mm-hmm. fairness. But we don't want to use the golden rule when we're talking about communication or managing other people, we want to treat them the way they want to be treated, not the way we want to be treated. Now, with your experience and, and you know, the people you talk with and whatnot, have you come across this as being a big challenge for an individual to really assess themselves and understand even their own way of thinking and acting and how that might impact people? Well, there's, there's a, a great quote from uh, Carlin, the uh, recently passed uh, comedian, uh, and he, he said, everyone driving slower than you is an idiot, <laughs> everyone driving faster than you is a maniac. All right. And so we tend to look at ourselves and say, well, the, what we see in the mirror is normal. And we look at other people and say, well, they're, they're a little bit less than normal. So what the disc does is enable you to, A, recognize yourself and celebrate your own strengths but also be able to, again, see other people and read where they're coming from so that you can lean in their direction and better communicate. So if, if I'm your boss and, and, and I'm a D and you're an S, instead of treating you like a fellow eagle, I'll treat you like a dub, and that way we'll be able to communicate better. When you're looking at these you know, assessments, so to speak, or you're you know, trying to figure out who fits in where, whether it be your own assessment, self-awareness, as you brought up, or looking at others, what sort of things are, can cause problems when maybe it's a, you know, you, you don't judge that person correctly and how they want to be treated or how they act or how they think, uh, or even yourself, if you're not really sure where you fit in, what sort of negative impact does that have on the people around you and, and probably the company as a whole? Well, that's a good question. You know what? Let's take risk-taking as an example. So an eagle or dominant style really has no problem taking risks right. because these don't worry about making mistakes. What these really worry about is stagnation. Uh, so if a D is working with, let's say, a conscientious style or an owl, well, Cs are very reluctant to take risks because Cs want to amass all of the data first before making a consequential decision. Mm. So the, the, the eagle might get very impatient with the owl and say, what's your problem? Just move forward <laughs> without realizing that, hey, this person really needs to take their time and get all their ducks in a row first before making a decision. And vice versa, the person, uh, the owl might look at the, the eagle and say, hey, this person is being obnoxious to me. I don't like working with them. But when you understand style, you're much more able to say, okay, from a risk perspective, I need to slow down a little bit and work with this person based on where they're coming from. Or vice versa. Okay, I'm working with an eagle, and they're more likely to, to make quick decisions, so I'm going to have to adapt. 
So again, the idea is that if, if you lean a little bit in, in the other person's direction, uh, you're much more likely to, to be able to work together well. Hmm. You know, another, another example of this is listening. Each of the styles listens very differently. Eagles listen for the bottom line. Uh, doves listen with sincerity and patience and empathy. Um, eagle, excuse me, owls just listen for the facts. Mm-hmm. So if you're emotional in that moment, the chances are the owl will not respond to it. They're really, they're just listening for data. And we like to say that interactive styles are responsive listeners, meaning whatever it is you say, they immediately Google and come right back out with their version of it. Nice. So <laughs> you, know, you say you like Chinese food, well, the, the, the parrot will say, oh, I love Chinese food too. And then they'll tell you about their Chinese food experience. So for them, it's about creating connection, right. but it, it can come across sometimes as, as what up my chip. So each style has their own way of interacting with one another. And if we're not careful, we judge them for it instead of, uh, again, uh, being more understanding. And clearly, this is a, a concern for a, a lot of people in the workplace because you know, you're working collaboratively. You have a manager overlooking, you know, uh, workers and whatnot. Um, when looking at something like this, and you figure, okay, as, as the as the manager, you're going to have to maybe interact with an eagle differently than you do with a dove. When you're trying to figure out how how you handle them. Is that something that should be openly discussed? Is that more of a private thing, a personal thing? Like, okay, I, I may speak more assertively to this person and, and be a little more sensitive to this one. I mean, how do you handle it from that point of view? Because I would argue at times maybe one worker might see the, the manager as being, you know, playing favorites or, or treating someone better than the other, when in reality they're trying to figure out these personalities. What's sort of the, what's, what's the idea there? What do you do as a manager? One of the advantages of doing disc, disc training is that you get a, you know, 30 people in a room and everyone takes a profile and then we split them up into uh, each of the groups. All the Ds sit together, Is, okay. Ss, and Cs. And because you do it in a large group, everyone starts to really relate to one another. Uh, and people start to use the disc language in their everyday work experience. So it's not just a manager singling out someone and, and giving them a little bit of extra attention. It really a, a, becomes a language uh, that everybody speaks. And, and that's what we do with our clients, that by the time we're done with a disc session, you know, six months later, people are still referring to the birds because it's part of their everyday discourse. And what this does is that it depersonalizes potential conflict. Sure. So instead of saying, you know what, this person really uh, pushes my buttons, they really bother me because they're too aggressive. Now it's, okay, she's an eagle, and, and now I understand where she's coming from. And every now and then I have to remind her that I'm a dove. And, <laughs> and if I do that with a smile, if I do it with a little sense of humor, then it diffuses what could have otherwise been, uh, uh, you know, a more, more conflict-oriented situation. So it's actually a great way, again, to depersonalize, a great way to relate to people without making it, uh, uh, you know, more emotionally driven than it needs to be. Now, is there, and I don't know if you guys discuss this sort of thing or if, you know, maybe um, people you've worked with have brought it up, but is there any danger in sort of creating stereotypes and, and causing conflict in a way that like, well, you know, the whole idea of boys will be boys and you're almost excusing them for acting a certain way. Is there any thought to that? Is there been any concern brought up regarding that side of the issue? Uh, that's another great question. Uh, what, one, of the, one of our disc principles is that uh, style is not a weapon. Hmm. You, you can't say, oh, I'm, I'm an, a parent, put up with it. <laughs> Now, it, it, the fact is, is that most of us are a combination of two or three styles. Right. We, of, course, of course, we have all four quadrants in our own heads. So there's no real reason why we can't adapt 
to the right style at the right time with the right person. It just takes practice. You know, let's take a, look, a little bit more of an in-depth look at each of these. You know, obviously we can't hit on all aspects, but, uh, you know, you, you talk about the dominant, um, which was the eagle, correct? Right. Uh, you know, and you, you obviously, you, you, you told us kind of the, the key ingredients to that personality, but what type of, of environment does that eagle like to work in, in terms of whether it be on their own with a group or just in general their, their work environment? Well, eagles prefer environments where they have lots of autonomy. Because these want to make consequential decisions about what they do and how they do it. Uh, Eagles also appreciate environments where there is risk-taking and quick decision-making because eagles are aggressive. Um, Now, if you have a combination of an eagle-owl and the same person, well, then there'll be a natural counterbalance to that. Because the eagle side of that person will say, let's move forward. But the owl side will say, wait a second, let's gather more facts. Uh, But in terms of environment, eagles, again like a fast pace, let's make decisions, let's move forward, let's not worry about mistakes. Uh, for parrots, parrots are similar to eagles in that they're, they're very comfortable with risk, but they're not as focused on bottom line results. Mm-hmm. Parrots, it's more about what's exciting, what's fresh, what's new, what's the impact that this could have on a group of people. Uh, so parrots are a, a little bit more casual in how they approach their work. Um, I, I think that eagles are more likely to live to work, whereas parrots are more likely to work to live. <laughs> right? uh, S's or uh, uh, doves appreciate an environment that is calm, that is stable, that's very process-oriented. S's are, are very much, excuse me, doves are very much creatures of habit. So they enjoy coming to work and knowing exactly what they're doing, how they're going to do it, and then thoroughly work their way through it. They're not as... Um, comfortable with rapid-fire multitasking, as, for example, parrots would be. And last but not least, the owls, the conscientious styles, uh, like the doves, they prefer an environment that's calmer um, and that's very process-oriented, except for, for owls, it's, it's, again, it's more about the systemization of things, mm-hmm. okay? Whereas for doves, there's also this component of, of human warmth and interaction. You want, you want to treat doves like a human being, not like a coworker. Sure. Whereas owls are not as interested in sharing their personal life. They're just there to work, <laughs> and they want everything to be fairly logical. Okay. Now, when, when looking at the, the conscientious, the, the owl, um, you know, some of the things I, I had read regarding it, you talk about t- taking time and some privacy and opportunity to think without interruption. And one of the notes I jotted down is it just sounds like that's a preference to sort of be away from a team collaboration and more, you know, introspective and with the whole, you know, time and, and not be interrupted. How does, how does the owl fit in then when you are working in, in so many places in a team setting and, and collaboratively? If you want to influence an owl, um, you want to be very prepared if, uh, uh, to prepare your case in advance. You want to be very patient but persistent. Um, if you're in a group environment with an owl, you don't want to be abrupt with them or rapid. Uh, you want to provide very uh, specific uh, details and, and systems that back up what it is you're saying. And, and yes, as, as you said, you, you need to give them downtime. You need to give them time for them to be by themselves so that they can analyze what it is you're doing and how there is they're doing it. And then that will give them confidence in working with you. But if you're working in a team with an owl and you treat them the way you want to be treated, mm-hmm. again, over applying the golden rule, well, you're going to get a lot of resistance. And if you're not careful, you'll interpret that resistance as them being against you. But it really has nothing to do with that. It's really because you're not treating them the way they need to be treated. Right. 
you know what? Another way of looking at this is that people don't do things against you. They do things for themselves. But very often when we're working with someone that we're having difficulty with, especially in a team setting, we assume that they're doing it against us because it feels that way. Right. It actually feels like an attack, but it's not. They're doing it for themselves. The owl gives you a lot of details because they want a lot of details. Right? The eagle gives you the bottom line and wants to move forward because that's what they want. It's for themselves. Right. Right. So when you're in a group environment, you want to ask yourself, you know, what is it that nourishes that person? That's probably the key to how they're treating me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. Just looking at it a different way, it's it's so easy to internalize everything, even in a work setting, and, and take it personal. So I, I definitely see where all this sort of tries to diffuse that idea a little bit. Now, what's interesting to me is, okay, you have the, the supportive behavior, you know, personality type if that person is specifically, you know, leaning in that direction, you know, based on on the, the assessment, can they still be an effective leader? Because it, obviously, when you hear the word supportive, it, it sounds more you're going to be led by someone else. You're you're a support system. I mean, can can that still be used in a way that someone would see them as an effective leader? Uh, absolutely. Uh, in my opinion, uh, regardless of what style you happen to be, if you choose to lead others with S energy the chances are it will bring out your highest leadership qualities. And the reason for that is that supportive styles don't have the need to be the one who is right. Okay. They're much more interested in the collective group figuring out what is right. Mm -hmm. And if I'm your boss and I lead you with S energy and I don't have to be the one who's right, I give you the room, the psychological, emotional, real estate to give me your best thinking. And so S energy is actually very powerful in leadership. Uh, and if you want evidence of this, uh, check out a book called Good to Great, in which the author, Jim Collins, discusses level five leadership. If you look up level five leadership online, you'll find most of the qualities come from the S quadrant. Hmm. So ironically, S energy is, is very powerful in a leadership role, but not many S's actually get that far because S's don't tend to be as ruthlessly ambitious <laughs> as other styles. So, I mean, with all this, obviously, and I think it's always in the back of people's mind and they understand the the ideas behind this. And essentially, you know, if we just took the time to understand each other a little better, that a lot of these issues would go away and we, we'd work better together, at least have a, a solid understanding. So in terms of overall advice and, and trying to get people to, you know, figure out these behavioral profiles, if you will, or their personality, how they think, how they act, I guess, what, what's just the overall general advice you would give on helping people improve those relationships, particularly in the workplace, where essentially you're all going towards the same goal as a team? I think that, that self-awareness is really the key to getting the most out of yourself. Because when you have high self-awareness, you're much more likely to organize your life around your strengths and better manage your challenges. Well, paradoxically, the more self-aware you are, the more likely you are to be interested in what other people represent. Mm -hmm. And so it starts with yourself and then your ability to read other people uh, comes into play. It's like, okay, I'm dealing with an eagle here or I'm dealing with a parrot. You know what? Each style has a, has a genius. And as a coworker or a manager, I'm going to have uh, uh, much more success if I facilitate other people's strengths. Mm -hmm. So what are the strengths of each styles? Well, you know, for D's, their strength is getting things done, uh, moving forward. The strength of eyes is having a terrific attitude, being, being very um, optimistic and highly innovative. 
Uh, what's the strength of, of supportive styles? Well, they're very patient and they're very calm and they're often the glue of a group that keep people together. They're also um, very thorough. So if you have a complex task, it's a good idea to hand it to a desk because they'll step-by-step step work their way through it. They bring real strengths to the table. Uh, and again, with what, what are the strengths of conscientious styles? They embrace complexity. So C's are, are, are very uh, conscientious about details, about process, and about getting things done right the first time. So if you recognize your own strengths, and then you're curious about what are the strengths of the people around me, you're much more likely to bring out their best, and then they're much more likely to want to work, want to work with you right. as a coworker or as a leader. And this is how you can use style to really you know, improve the quality of your life and improve the quality of the lives around you. You know, just when you you talking about some of that stuff and, and how maybe this fits together, I just had a thought, and it's putting you on a spot a little bit, I suppose, but um, let's say you, you, you do these evaluations and you have a, a team of four people. Do you, Is it best to have them each individual be one of the different types of, of the disc, or is there a preference of like a two and two? Or I mean, I guess if you could, in a perfect world, have a team of four, how would you, how would you separate them or how would you bring them together, really? Well, it's an interesting question because you will find, for example, in a marketing department, uh, you'll probably have more eyes than any other style or more parrots. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you walk into an accounting firm, the chances are pretty good. You're going to have a lot of of owls, a lot of C styles. Uh, If you walk into a lawyer's office, probably a lot of eagles and and also uh, owls. So depending on the job itself, there does tend to be a, a preponderance of a particular style. But as far as as the team goes, I don't think there's any one best combination. As long as everyone on the team recognizes you're not just your one style. Mm -hmm. Let's say we have four eagles in a room uh, working together. Well, three of those eagles can say, okay, you know what? I'll be the owl here. You be the dove. You be the parrot. Let's make sure we don't have any blind spots. Okay. Right? And that way, you know, everybody is, is adding something different to the table. Right. So, again, just like we say style is not a weapon. Uh, you know, uh, another way of saying that is that we each have the capacity to tap into the right style at the right time uh, in, you know, with the right person. So flexibility is really the key here, not so much what is the uh, composition of the team. I think that's a great way to, to punctuate this uh, this subject matter, and, you know, and especially like you said, it we have to speak in generalities, but I think the way you, you put that really does uh, sum it up nicely. So unfortunately with that, we'll signal the end of our time here on Nobody's Perfect and our discussion on DISC. And, of course, the overall consideration for personality and behaviors in the workplace. Daniel Silvert, VP of Learning and Development for Team Builders Plus, has been our guest. Daniel, where can people find out more about your company and your book as well? Our book is called Taking Flight, Master the Disc Styles to Transform Your Career, Your Relationships, Your Life. You can find it on Amazon or at your local Barnes & Noble. If you'd like to go online, you can go to takeflightlearning.com. And there you can learn all about the disc, you can learn about this training, and of course, uh, you can find the book there as well. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for bringing us your insight today, and hopefully we'll get some people to check that out for you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And of course, if you, the listeners, have any comments or suggestions, please email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm Tim Muma. Remember, nobody's perfect, so please watch your step. 